Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Okay, well, I was going to tell you something right off the bat. So, like, uh, uh, when, when you, you're in Richmond, Virginia, or this area, and somebody says you're from California, Right off the bat, they stop, and they don't go, oh, like, California, good night. Can we find somebody from, like, a real place? Well, um, I'm actually from Ohio originally and made my way out to California many, many years ago, and then just because we like it out there, we, we, we stayed. And um, some, some people go, like, why would you do that? And the beauty is of what I get to do, I did plant a church some 33 years ago, um, and I, I literally, on its 30th birthday, I decided I wanted to hand it off because I didn't want to be the old guy who overstayed. So, so now that I'm in my 60s, well into my 60s, what I wanted to do is be that guy who made sure that the next generation could take something that had already begun in that location and see it go even past anything where I got to experience over those 30 years. And now I get to pour back into church planters like Brandon and Hannah. And I was with one of them just recently, and, and uh, he did some research on, on my background and, and our church and stuff. And he said, like, Tim, you're, you're like the model pastor. And I'm like, you know, and I, I went back and I looked up the word model because I was like pretty proud of it. I don't know if you ever looked. It, cheap, small, plastic imitation of the real thing, okay? <laughs> right here, model pastor. So anyway, hey, I thought we'd do something right here at the outset. Is that okay? Let, let's have some fun with this because it's the first weekend. If that's okay, say bueno. Let's do that. I just had to do that. I just had to do that. Hey, who else would get on a 20-foot ladder, 20-foot ladder and climb like, like, I mean, can you believe that? Snowball fights here. And then the other thing I just want to say about new, new community is your Christmas Eve service uh, was just out of the park home run. So give it up. Give it up for yourselves. This was awesome. This was awesome. And that's the neat thing of, uh, we can go online now to be part of all that. Well, I want to just, at the beginning here, I want to think of some of the things that we, we really love, okay, so that we can all get on common ground. Can we do that right now? So come on. Okay, so first off, let's face it, okay, dogs are something we can all love. How many of you have a dog? Raise, raise your, ooh, lot, lots, okay. Now I'm going to ask, because uh, I think most of you, you love your dog, right? Some, some of you love your dogs more than you love your kids. Right? Is that not true? Um, now, I'm not going to make fun of you right now, but you just, you just love your dog. Now, now there's a little aside, and, and I have to go there. Since I mentioned dogs, um, I, you notice I didn't intentionally mention cats, okay? Because, come on, nobody really loves cats. They're cats. Um, and it's true. And if you have a cat... You're in church today, so you can just go ahead and admit it, okay? You can own up to it. You don't love cats, okay? I'll tell you why. Because cats, they don't come when you call them, okay? And, and dogs come when they're called. And that kitty leader stuff, that's just nasty, just nasty. And I'll tell you why no one really loves cats. Because they named a variation of naps after it, okay? How many of you ever here, say, show of hands, have ever heard of cat naps? Catnaps, anybody? Okay, catnaps. That's what I thought, okay? And no one likes catnaps because those are the kind of naps when you wake up from them, you're just mad. You're just angry. You're just ornery. Why? Because you wanted to sleep like a dog. That's right, okay? Cats are never mentioned in the Bible. Just got to throw the guard card out there, okay? Um, things we love. Now, some of us love dogs, and yes, some of you love your cats, okay? And if you think I hate cats, well, then just write Brandon. He can tell you what I, I really believe. So, so since you don't know me, let me tell you a few of the things I love. 
I love two-wheel vehicles. Um, I was talking to Tyler about this today. Uh, uh, I love Harley-Davidson motorcycles. I love to be on my Harley. I go into Harley stores. We were driving down here from D.C. We were, my wife Sue and I were spending some time vacating a little bit. We drove down here, saw the Richmond Harley dealership, wanted to stop in. So I love Harley stores. I love looking at Harley websites. I love, I mean, I just, I love literally Harley Davidson's. Another thing I love is, okay, I love pizza. I love shows about pizza. I love commercials about pizza. I love watching pizza, get, like literally cooks toss that pie in the air. I love watching them put it in a pizza wood-burning oven. I just love pizza. I love extra cheese on my pizza. I love cheese in the dough of the pizza. I just love pizza, okay? Oh, another thing I love, I love football. I, I, love, I love college football, okay? I love NFL football. The time period between like the end of August and then, like, the first, second weekend of February, I love it because, like, I love football. I could care less about basketball. I sort of love baseball, but I love football. Um, and, and I also, I love my wife, okay? I, I love my wife. We've been married for 42 years. The other, the other day when we were, like, vacation, I, yeah, you can clap for that if you want. I mean, I was telling her, I, I said, I love you, Sue. I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, I was trying to listen. and I said, I'd die for you, my love. And she looked right at me. She said, Tim, you're always saying it, but you never do it. Okay? <laughs> so, so, so I, I love, okay, I love. But there's something I love more than football. There's something I love more than pizza. There's something I love more than Harley Davidson. And yes, there's something I love even more than my own wife. Like, for example, if I laid my Harley down, uh, on a freeway, and I've laid a motorcycle down a couple different times, and it got scratched or dinged. I'd be sad, but I wouldn't be broken about it. If, if I wasn't able to watch literally Saturday game day or, you know, like Sunday night football or Monday night football or Thursday night football, I'd be sad, but, but I wouldn't be broken up about it. If I didn't eat pizza for like two, three, four, five, six, eight months, I mean, yeah, I'd be a little bit bothered, but I wouldn't be broken up about it. But there's something that I love, and, and I know that a man that, that's named Jesus loves it too, and he was so much in love with it that he, he was literally broken up for it. And, and in Ephesians, in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says these words. It says, just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. See, I love pizza. I, I, I do love football. I love Harley Davidson motorcycles, but there's something I love even more. And I love it more because Jesus loves it more, so much so that he personally was willing to give his life for it, and that's the church. Jesus loved the church. He gave his life for the church. I love the church. And so my, my heart breaks literally for the church. And I just want to tell you all right now, I love this church. Specifically, I, I love this church, New Community Church. I'm thrilled with what God is doing through New Community Church, through Brandon and Hannah through, through um, Shep and, and Reagan and Jody Baldwin. I, I love what God's doing there. I love what God's doing to Doral. Doral, sorry, sorry. So, so like, and, and he's getting married in like three weeks. Can you believe that? Give it up for him. Getting married in three weeks. I mean, and, and the, the thing is, and then I love the fact that you stepped out and you, you started something that Jesus loves, this thing called a church. And if you're visiting here today, this isn't a commercial for the church. It's just telling you a little bit about me and, and what, what I love. And this church stepped out and did something that very few were willing to do over the last 22 to 23 months. And so I just think Brandon, the world of Brandon and Hannah, because they just stepped out and did something. 
and, and launched out. And then, like, then they launched out and did something even, even again in Ashland. Like, give it up for that. You just need to give it up for that right now. And, uh, and then the fact that you all got to gather, because last year you couldn't gather with Christmas Eve, but this year you were able to gather. And, and to see the, the beauty and the wonder, and, and yet the same thing I would say, the mystery of, of God coming into human history and the way that you all like, let that like, be displayed in that theater in Ashland for Christmas Eve service. I got to experience it online. It, it was just truly wonderful. And so I love what God's doing through this church. And I, I really believe that God's just beginning what you're going to see through New Community Church in the greater Richmond area um, because of the leadership of Brandon and Hannah. So uh, give it up for them and give it up for New, new Community, okay? Um, let, let's pray, and, and let me keep going after that. God, just thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. And God, you, you love, you love the church. And yet at the same time these days, so often the church is maligned, rightfully so because of some of how the more negative postures of, of who we are and what we're about is, is positioned. But yet, God, I, I just thank you so much for Brandon and Hannah because who they are is just literally radiates of their love for all of humankind. Different ethnic backgrounds, different economic backgrounds, different educational backgrounds, just, just people, young, old, married, single. People who are familiar with this thing called the church or the Bible or who God is and people who aren't at all. God, just thank you. Thank you for a new community and for what you've done over these years, these, these past like year and a half. And uh, thank you for each and every person who's a part of the team here, for the coaches who, who give leadership to creating an experience for people to come in, for children to be a part of all different ages, for those who work and serve in the areas of audio and visual and music arts, for those who carry out ministry during the week, praying for people in this church, for those who gather together in groups, whether it be in homes or condos, apartments or online. God, just thank you. Thank you for what you're beginning here, literally a new community. And uh, you love this people and you love this place. So we celebrate that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I, I want to um, just, just say, because you're doing this 15 days of prayer, so when I started thinking about, okay, what could I, what could I communicate about? Um, one of the questions I'm asking often in, in, in being a long-tenured pastor is this. When you don't get answers to prayer, when you don't get answers to prayer, do I keep on praying or do I stop? And I'll just tell you right now, in a group this size, and it's wonderful to see you all out today, because even in the midst of this Omicron, with what's going on in this pandemic, you're just not sure, do, do you go out, do you stay in? What, what, what? So I honor you for being here today. Thank you so very much. And a group this size, whether you know a ton about prayer or not, here's what I know. I know many of you, you've been praying about something for a, for a period of time. And for some of you, it's been a long period of time. Maybe for some of you, it's, about, it's been about finding someone to marry. Or maybe it's been about praying for the person that you are presently married to, 
because you're praying for something to change in that person, right? And you've been praying for a while for that person to change. I know a, a number of people, my own, my own daughter too, is just praying for, for God to provide for them a baby. Some of you have been praying and praying for people that you know or others for, for, for some sort of physical healing, some sort of emotional healing. Some of you here have been praying for a turnaround in your career. And, and you've been praying for these kinds of things and many other things for days now, for weeks now, for months now, maybe for some of you for year upon year upon year, and you've not seen any answers at all to your prayers. So in the back of your mind, you're asking yourself, do I keep on praying? Well, Jesus told a story about this, and we're just going to briefly look at this today. And I, I just was so grateful because in Luke 18, in Luke 18, there's a story. I'll just set up it up for, for some of you sort of new, new to this whole church, God, Jesus, Bible thing. There's a story that Jesus told, and, and whether you, you like what I might say, let's listen to what he has to say. And he was telling the story to a group of people like us that's sitting here, and, and it was about a callous judge. So just think judge in a courtroom, a callous judge, and there was a helpless sort of widow that was coming before him. And the widow comes to the judge, and she begs, she begs, she, she literally pleads for the judge to help her. And then he says in that day and age, no, I'm not going to help you. So she pesters him and pesters him and pesters him. Bugs him and bugs him and bugs him until finally she wears him down and he says, all right already, I give up, I'll help you. And it's just her sheer pers persistence that causes him to give in and answer her request. Now, let me give you a little bit brief kind of backgrounds because one of the kinds of stories in the Bible, it, it, you'll find sometimes when Jesus is speaking, he's telling one of two types of stories. One is a story of contrast, and one is a story of comparison. And if you're kind of new to the whole Bible thing today and you're here, again, I just want to say I honor you because it takes a great courage for you to step out of your home and, and be in a place like this if you're kind of wondering. you know, like, like, So let me just set it up for you. So there's stories of contrast in the Bible and stories of comparison in the Bible. Story of, of comparison in the Bible would be when the speaker is saying the story is like God is like such and such. Well, this story that Jesus is telling in Luke 18 is a story of contrast. It, it's a, it, here's the contrast is that God, God is not like this judge. And in many ways, the point of the story, we'll put it up on the screen for you if you want to take a little snapshot of it digitally with your phone or something like that. In other words, what Jesus is trying to get across to these people is if a person who couldn't care less about people will help people, then how much more will a loving God answer my needs, my hurts, my longings, my desires. And so in, in Jesus, in fact, he, he gives us the reason for the story right off the bat in Luke 18. Um, Luke 18, in the New Testament portion of the Bible, the Bible's broken down, 66 books, 39 and 27, Old Testament for some of you, and New Testament. New Testament's Matthew, Mark, Luke. So the first three books, this is the third book. In the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 1, in chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. It says, Then Jesus used this story to teach his followers that they should always pray, that they should always pray. And you guys are all seeing on the screen. They should always pray and say the words out loud. And what? Yes. Never give up. And never give up. So right there, you have two alternatives. You have two alternatives when you pray. One is to pray, and one is to give up. And so I'm just going to say this right now. If you're discouraged, just a little bit discouraged today, or a whole lot of bit discouraged today, this message is for you. So, so like, why should you be persistent in your praying? 
Well, let me give you uh, three or four things today. And if you want to take some notes, you can put this down and text yourself some notes if you like, or just take some snapshots from the screen. Why should you be persistent in praying? Well, I'll tell you what number one is. You should be persistent because it helps you focus on God. It helps you focus on God. You see, when I pray for something over and over and over and over again, and I've done that now throughout the 40-plus year journey of my own walk with Jesus, it's not to remind God because God doesn't need reminding. Ultimately, it's to remind me who is the source for all blessings and all provision in this life. God wants us to see Him alone as the source. And by the way, just so we understand something here, Persistent praying isn't sort of like blackmail, where you kind of just, you just keep going after it, going after it to try to wear God down, wear God down. So after a while, God goes, okay, okay, I'm sick of hearing about that one. And then he says, okay, here you go. No, the whole purpose, the whole purpose of being persistent in prayer is to focus our attention onto God. See, here's the deal about us as human beings. And in this part of the world, you probably see this even more than where I live. But like these days, we'll look to everybody else to solve our problems. Like it, it's, it kind of intrigues me because literally these days, everybody will look to the government to solve our problems. But we know that's not always going to work. Or we'll look to a spouse. Or we'll look to a, a counselor. Or we'll look to a teacher. Or we'll look to a friend. And God wants to say to us today, hey, hey, just, why don't you look to me? See, in, in Matthew chapter 6, these are Jesus' words, they're not mine. Jesus says this, look at it, your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need these things. Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well you need these things, and he'll give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live See, it's kind of like a two-parter. You give him first place and live as he wants you to live. God already knows what we need even before we ask for what it is we want. So why, why do you and I pray? Why, why even utter? Why do we even like write it down, say it out loud? It's, it's to get the focus off of us and to put the focus on God. And I just wonder. Now, I don't know. So I'm just telling you. I'll tell you what I don't know. I don't know on this one. But I just sometimes wonder... If God might delay an answer for us simply to keep the focus on him, I, I don't know. But in a self-made man, self-made woman kind of world where we want to be the masters of our own universe, I just sometimes wonder if God doesn't delay because he wants us to focus on him. Number two, the second reason why we persist in praying is because it helps clarify our requests. It helps clarify our requests. In other words, a, a delayed answer gives me time to clarify exactly what it is that I really desire. Hey, have you ever noticed, and I don't know about this, but, 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 but I see most people have, in my journey in, in pastoring stuff is, is most people's prayers are vague. Like, God bless me. Or God do nice things for me. Well, I'll tell you right now, God does nice things for you every day. Waiting helps you define the prayer, and waiting helps you refine the prayer to, to like be more and more laser-specific. And sometimes I think we just need to realize that maybe, just maybe, God is trying to like test us a little bit. In Zechariah, 
It's, another, it's a book in the Old Testament, for those of you who don't kind of like, this is the Old Testament, Zechariah, in, in, in chapter 13, 9, it says this, I, God, will test them as gold is tested. I, God, will test them as gold is tested. Then they will pray, and I will answer them. God says before the answer comes, what comes first? What comes first, anybody? What comes first? A test. Test is an important word. See, this is a critical concept that's lost on 21st century uh, uh, Americanos, since you got bueno, Americanos, okay? Often God delays an answer to test us to see how badly do we really want what we're praying for. What, what, I, what I've noticed in my life um, as the former leader of a church plant, and I stayed in that church that I planted in Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, right on the border, I stayed in that church for 30 years. And, and, you know, what I noticed is, is that in, in, in my life, a, what I started realizing is a delay that wasn't a denial. It was simply God saying not yet. He's not saying no. He's just saying not yet. And oftentimes when it comes to prayer, if you're going to take a snapshot of any one thing that I'll put on the screen today, take a snapshot of this one. A, a delay helps distinguish between a deep longing and a mere whim. And so God uses the delay to test me, to see where, where is my focus. And by the way, there is a, there is a difference between a, a, a deep desire and like sort of a passing whim. Because just be honest, if you, if, if, if you received an answer to every prayer you ever prayed, would that have been a good thing for you? Be honest. If every time you prayed, you got instantly what you prayed for, just think of when you're driving and somebody cuts you off. God, kill them! <laughs> Your husband does something you don't like. God, hurt him! I mean, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever prayed prayers like that? Come on, be honest. Or, or the weather. I mean, you know, tomorrow we're like going to get five to ten inches of snow in this area. And some of you hate snow. So you just say, God, give us 70 degrees. And there's some people that, like in the house next door to you, who love snow. God, keep it snowing. I mean, it'd be starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping. <laughs> Do you see what I'm going with this? If everyone's prayer was immediately answered, it, things would just be going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's not that God doesn't want to answer our prayers. He does. But, but he wants to kind of make sure, like, we really, we really want this. He's, he's, he's clarifying or, 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 or sorting out the desire. And many times what I found that during the delay, you know what I found was? I, 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 I don't really need that. Or now I want something totally different. Or what I wanted was it's modified or it's changed. And so I'm glad that God hasn't given everything to me that I've asked for originally. There's a third reason. So, so, so number one is it helps us focus on God because he's the prov provider of all things. Two, it helps us kind of clarify, refine what we're praying about. But the other th reason to keep praying persistently day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, is that it helps prepare me for the answer. It helps prepare me for the answer, get you ready. Now, let, let, let me let you in on a little secret. God usually wants to do what it is you're asking in a better way than you're even asking for it. God usually wants to answer your request, but often in a greater way. Often we're praying for something real small, and God says, that's, that's not what I want to have you ask 
for. I want to do something in a bigger way, a, a better way, a greater way. You're just not ready for it yet. So I'm, I'm delaying this to get you ready for the answer. So like, for example, you know, one of the things is I get to tell church planners these days, because church planners that are between 25 and 35 or 40, they want everything and they want it now. And I remember in the first three years of our church, way back 33 years ago, we grew so fast. We were, we were on just a little, we were given a little two-acre A-frame church property right off the 55 freeway in Costa Mesa, California. And we outgrew it within like literally about a year and a half. So right about in the three-year mark, we, we started looking at, okay, what can we do? Where can we go? So we, we sat down and we prayed. We prayed as a, as a, as a group, a leadership group, a, a board group, a management group. And we decided, we decided that this brand, brand new church was growing. We needed space. And we thought, well, we could find something to own or we could find something to do tenant improvements in. But we decided, we locked arms, that it needed to be within a three-mile radius. Three-mile radius. Three-mile radius. Well, we started praying after one year, two, three years. We looked at six buildings in the first three years. And uh, every one of those buildings said no. So then, as we kept getting no's, this leader, I'm talking to me, I said, well, let's, we could kind of fudge that three-mile radius. I mean, if you kind of, you know, push it out a little bit, it's still kind of three miles depending on how you're leaning. And so then we started looking in year four and year five and year six and some adjacent areas. And they still said no. So it wasn't until year eight and a half, year nine, within a quarter mile of where we originally planted, where a piece of property, the only remaining property that was unbuilt in the city of Costa Mesa, right off the 55 freeway, in a meeting with a city official. The city official said, well, we're not going to let you do what you want to do on your property, because we asked them if we could build a parking structure on our property in a residential neighborhood. That didn't go over too well. But we just said no to this group about this piece of dirt over here. And if you want to put an offer on that, I don't know what they'll do with that. But well, we didn't even know that that was even possible. But it was a nine-year journey. And then when we got the land, and we, we started to build on the land. We, we had part of, the, part of the deal was that we were going to sell the property that we started. That would be a part of how we would be able to do what we needed to do. And the city decided that residential developers couldn't build what they wanted to build. So the property that we were going to sell to a residential developer was no longer worth any money at all. And so we had to wait another three or four years. But see, during that process, God changed me as a leader. Some changes in me as a husband needed to take place. Some changes in how I managed our staff and volunteer court needed to take place. You know, you, you see, how many of you have ever seen that sign that says, prayer changes things? How many of you seen that sign that says, prayer changes things? Raise your hand. How many of you see that sign? Prayer changes things. Prayer does change things, but prayer changes me too. 
and prayer changes you as well. So often God says, I want to answer, but I'm going to get you ready for the answer first. And some of you have been praying for something for a really, really long time, and you're thinking, what are you doing, God? Are you just playing games with me? I mean, be honest. Don't have to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you felt like that? Like, what are you doing, God? Don't you care for me? Uh, um, God, God's a good God. He's loving, and he has a reason for what he does, and persistence pays off. Not to convince God, but when I keep on praying, and I keep on praying, and I keep on praying, it does some things. It focuses me on God. It literally clarifies my request, but it prepares me for the answer in the meantime. It gets me ready. And, and, and sometimes God lets it get to the point where only a miracle will change things. You know the story of a guy named Abraham? If you're kind of new to the Bible, this guy Abraham, how long did he pray for a child? He prayed until he and his wife finally got beyond childbearing years. The Bible says that he was like dead. And oftentimes, God wants to do something in your life. You're praying for one thing, and he says, I know you're asking for this, but what you're asking for, I've got something better in mind. So Matthew 7, look at this, and I'll just read it really quick. It says, if a child asks his father for bread, will he, will he be given a stone instead of it? If asked for fish, will he be given a poisonous snake? Of course not. If you, you know how to give good gifts to your children, won't your father, who is in heaven, even more certainly give good gifts to those who ask him for them? God isn't going to deal you a bad hand. You're asking for one thing, and he's going to give you something worse than what it was you asked for? It, the issue is it may not be what you started off praying for, but it could be bigger greater, better, or just altered. But God wants you to keep on keeping on. And he uses that delay to get you ready in the meantime. And then number four, and maybe most importantly of all, in, in our world today, praying basically helps strengthen our faith. It helps strengthen our faith. Um, faith is like a muscle. It's like a muscle. It, it, it's got to be developed, okay? Like... Um, you know, here it is, January 2nd. And I was surprised. I, I worked out this Anytime Fitness over in Mechanicsville today, and uh, I couldn't believe the amount of people in that gym at that time in the morning. But why? It's January 2nd. And they're all getting their muscles, like, moving, right? Well, persistent prayer is a faith-building exercise. Waiting is a test of faith. How, how long can you wait? Waiting ought to strengthen our faith. Waiting is meant to develop our faith. The ability to wait is a mark of maturity. And what we have to remember is God's in charge. God simply, he's not, not yet. He's, he's saying, hey, buddy, I got this. Hey, ma'am, I've got this. Persistent praying is meant to strengthen our faith. And, he, and, and Jesus concludes this whole parable. Look at it in Luke 18, 8. In this whole story he tells to the people that day, here's what he says. When the Son of Man comes, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. Faith. Why does he mention faith when he's talking about persistent prayer? Well, let me give you a little clue. This is so critical. The length, the length of your persistence is evidence of your faith. The length of your persistence is evidence of your faith. And the size of your ask literally determines the size of your God. You got a little God, you're going to ask for little things. You got a medium-sized God, you're going to ask for medium-sized things. You got a big God, you're going to ask for big things. See, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed to be able to start a church, grow a church over 30 years. But I got a big God. 
and you do too. And you can ask him for big things. And your persistence demonstrates your faith. Faith and prayer go together. So here's what I want you to do before I close out. I want you to think about that circumstance, that individual where you prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. And there's, there is now a delay. And let me tell you that there's two things I know that are true about that situation. One, God is testing your faith. And two, and for those of you who are kind of new to the church, God, Jesus, Bible thing, let me just say, I believe that there's this evil one in this world. You know, the Bible calls him Satan, okay? But I believe he's contesting for your faith. God is testing your faith. And the evil one, this evil force that is, I believe is definitely in our world, is literally contesting for your faith. Because, see, the, the evil one is like sitting right there on your shoulder while you treat it and say, well, I should keep praying, I should keep praying. You know, I know, I know that my child, I'm just praying for my child to turn around. I just can pray, I'm praying for our finances. They're just not where they need to be. And, and so I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And, and he jumps on your shoulder, that enemy guy, that evil one. And I don't know what he looks like, but, but his presence is real because he'll go, give up. I mean, like, he's over there going, like, you, you really think he listens to you? You really think he's going to hear you? You really think he's got this? There's no way he's got this. And I'm here to tell you, don't you dare believe the lies that that little dude, well, however he looks, is trying to feed into your head. I can't tell you the number of times in the back recesses of my mind as a husband, as a dad, as, as, as a leader of a church where... where um, that little dude will jump there and he'll go, you know what, you, you, who do you think you are? I remember one time in the early days of our church, I, somebody asked me, how big do you think your church is going to be? And I, I just, it was this lady came up in, like in the third week of the church and I told the lady. And she just looked at me and said, who do you think you are? And I go, ma'am, that's, that's the wrong question. The question is, who do I believe God is? And Jesus admired the widow in this story because of her persistence. She is tenacious. She's, she wouldn't give up. So here's the question I want you to ask your own self today. The question of the day is this. How quickly do I give up when I don't get an answer to my prayer? How quickly do I give up when I don't get an answer to my prayer? Uh, I've been praying for my, my spouse to become a Christian, to just... Maybe come to church with me. For how long? I've been praying for this, this adult child I have. I mean, he's a good boy. She's a good girl. But just is like off the rails. I've been praying for them. For, for how long? I've been, I've been praying for vitality in my marriage. For something to change. For, for how long? I've been praying that our finances would turn around. Well, for how long? I've been praying for my career. For how long? How, how do you pray persistently? Well, Jesus, earlier, a few chapters before this, in this Luke 18, in Luke 11, here's what he says. Look at this. This is a, a passage that's kind of like your theme passage for these 15 days. You're doing it in a different book. I'll do it in Luke. It says, I'll tell you, Jesus says, 
Continue to ask, and God will give it to you. Continue to search, and you will find. Continue to knock, and the door will be open for you. Notice it says, ask, search, knock. Ask, search, knock. Ask, search, knock. Keep on asking. Keep on searching. Keep on knocking. Now look at that, look at that verse up there on the screen. What does the beginning, what's the beginning letter of those ask, search, knock spell? Anybody? Ask. In our English language, the way we see it, it spells ask. It's just three different ways of saying the same thing. So it's like, like you know, like um, we went to Brandon and Hannah's house, and you know, in California, if you did what we did at their house, nobody would come. But but they like we 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 rang the doorbell. Now, do you push a doorbell when you go to somebody's house? Do you push it and then you just walk away when they're not right there? No. Do you do you knock and then and then just like walk away? One time? No. What do you do? And then nobody comes? What do you do? Or like when you call somebody on your cell phone? As soon as you hear it ring once, do you hang up because they didn't pick it up that quick? Or do you only give it two rings? No, you probably let it keep ringing. See, there, there are often circumstances that you have no idea what's going on on how long it takes them to answer or how long it takes them to come to a door. And if that's true on a human level, how much more is it true with this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing God that he's trying to factor into the equation? So keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And some of you right now, you're in a fog because right now you just, you're not seeing what you want to see happen. And God's saying to you right now, Please keep on, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking after me. And you're still kind of bewildered, you're befuddled because your marriage is on the rocks, your finances are in the toilet, things are sideways with the best friend as you start off this brand new year and you feel powerless and hopeless as that widow in the story. Well, the whole point of this story, like I said earlier, is when you feel like giving up, no, you keep on keeping on. Um, I got in trouble one time. My, my parents sent me to a Catholic school, and this buddy of mine, his name is Leo, we would always get in trouble together. So one day we got sent to the principal's office, and we got sent to the principal's office, and they, she called him in first. And he went in, and I could just, I could just see her yelling at him. And she, she, I didn't know this, but she, she, she yelled at him, like, where's God? And he just looked at her, like big old eyes, didn't know what to say. And then again, she yelled again. This is the principal. Where's God? And then I could see her point to him, sending him out to get me to come in. This, this is a sister so-and-so. And so when I walked in, I walked by him, and I said, hey, Leo, what's going on? He said, evidently God's missing, and they're trying to pin it on us. <laughs> And I think what happens for some of us here today is when we come out of this season of 2021, some of us aren't so happy about 2022, especially with all that we're seeing. Because we're going like, where is God in the midst of all this? You have two choices. You can despair and believe he's not there. Or you can keep on keeping on 
in prayer. Why? Because it keeps you focused on him. It, it modifies and refines your request. And, and what it does is it starts preparing you. And if you'll let it, if you'll let it through 2022, it'll actually increase your faith muscle. Because you're starting off maybe 2022 with just a little faith. God wants to grow that faith even bigger. Let's pray right now. And if you could just bow your heads, and it's hard for me to see with the lights, but if you have been praying for something over 2021, maybe for just a few weeks, for a few months, or all of this year, but you have yet to see an answer, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand nice and high so I can see it. Nice and high so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down now. Thank you. I, I want to just pray for you. God, I don't know what's going on behind those hands. You do. I guess what I would ask that in this season, as we head into a brand new year, that these first 15 days, we would make sure they count. But even if what we've been praying now for weeks and months and maybe this whole last year, even if we haven't seen it, may we keep praying for it well past these days. And if we come into this place today, onto this Regal Cinema campus, with any sort of discouragement, bewilderment, a sense of despair, God, I pray that just being here on this very first weekend of this brand new year would, would set our heart fast and steady and renew in us a belief that you are there and you do hear and that you have something in store, in store, at some point for those whose hands were raised. It may be different than what we're now asking. It may be bigger, better, shaped altogether in a renewed fashion. But God, I pray that we would not give up. We thank you for how it is you can work in us and through us for the very idea that we can persist in our prayer life. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.